Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Diffusion Science Radio Show, the only science show whose members could compete as both beauties and geeks in Australian Beauty and the Geek. This is our Diffusion Trivia Science Special Show. My name is Mark West and our trivia contestants today are Victoria Bond and Ian Wolfe. Victoria is our quiz master, so let's throw it over to her. It's a scientific fact. A scientific fact. It has to be correct. It has to be exact. Because it is, because it is a scientific fact. It's a scientific fact that our high and low tides are caused by the gravitational pull of the moon. It's been proven to be true, like one and one are two. It's checked and double-checked, a fact that can be backed. Because it is, because it is a scientific fact. It's a scientific fact that there are belts of radiation in outer space, which are a hazard for future space flyers to overcome. It's a scientific fact. A scientific fact. It has to be correct. It has to be exact. Because it is, because it is a scientific fact. Well, of course, even scientific facts are not perfectly exact, but they are as exact as it is humanly possible to make them at the time. It's a scientific fact, a scientific fact. It has to be correct, it has to be exact. Because it is, because it is a scientific fact. All right, the first question I have for you is a biology question. So, there's one part of the cell that scientists believe actually come from bacteria. Is it A, the nucleus, B, the mitochondria, or C, the Golgi apparatus? Well, I have absolutely no idea. I don't know anything about biology. So, Ian, <laughs> you got any clues? I think it's the mitochondria B. That's correct. They actually think mitochondria were separate bacteria that just kind of fused with cells and it's been a beautiful symbiotic relationship ever since. Oh, really? Mm. I, know, I know that there's some quite cool virus evolution. Like viruses don't necessarily evolve in one line. They sort of, that's how we get swine flu now. It's, you know, it's bird flu mixed with swine flu mixed with human flu. Uh, you get this sort of swapping of genetic material. Is that sort of thing that happens in bacteria as well? Yeah, the bacteria actually uh, have little capsids that they can release, and it's kind of like bacteria sex. You know, they, they release these little parts of themselves and mix genetic materials and then sometimes take it back up. And it's the same thing for mitochondria, actually. Um, even in human cells, mitochondria have their own circular DNA. Oh, right. And that's why you get mitochondrial diseases that go through the mother, because you only get your mitochondria through your mother. Which is how they can trace our ancestry back through the female line. Exactly. Yes. 
Next question. I think we I think we got that one correct. What do you reckon? Uh, I think so. So I'm going to toss you a chemistry question. Let's see how you do. Okay. What is element number 16? Is it oxygen? Yes, it is. Hooray. Very good. We really should have practiced all these beforehand, shouldn't we? Carbon, carbon 12 is a standard uh, in terms of measuring weights. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also use carbon-14, which is uh, an isotope. Carbon-14 is an isotope. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and there's a, there's a really great kind of nerdy pickup line, as we know. I love those. Um, that says, if it weren't for carbon-14, I wouldn't date at all. Bit of a uh, radioactive joke there. There you go. Very nice. It's glowing. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me sizzle, that's for sure. <laughs> all right. So, question number three. Which animal jumps the highest in proportion to its height. I want to say something like the flea or uh, something small like that. Ian, you got any better ideas? I'd also agree with the flea. And you're both right. Wow, this is... (laughs) hmm, My questions maybe weren't a little hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's just that we're so good. Or or very trivial, perhaps. Mm, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my next question is biology again, so maybe maybe this one will be a bit tougher. The expression as smooth as a milkmaid's skin originates because of is it A they drank large quantities of cow cream which gave them good skin? Is it B they were inoculated with cowpox which protected them from smallpox? Or C um, they were depicted in Vermeer's painting, The Milkmaid. Mm. I, oh, I have no idea. Well, hold on. See, we, we can game this one through. Right. Because this is what you have to do in trivia when you're not sure. See, so do you they want me to were protected. The... They were protected from smallpox by cowpox. Right. So that would stop them getting all the pock marks of people. Yes, that's true. And this that's is a true. scientific show. So that therefore, be, <laughs> therefore, that's a good example. That that might be right. If we look at the part A, drinking milk that's high in fat, mm-hmm. does Probably that necessarily not. give you smooth skin? I don't know. It could give you pimples. It could give you pimples. Maybe I don't know. So maybe not that one. And the third one, because they were depicted in paintings. That could be not just any paintings. Vermeer paintings. Um, he's a amazing Dutch painter from the 1700s. And how on earth does that protect them? Well, it doesn't. Um, the expression is as smooth as a milkmaid's skin. So These milkmaids were very smooth-skinned in the paintings. Oh, so they might <laughs> not have been. It was just his vision of them. Exactly. Oh, okay. He also painted uh, Girl with a Pearl Earring, which is one of his more famous paintings. Oh, it's a science show. The art show, <laughs> <laughs> the art show was on earlier. How, um, how dare I mix the, the different... <laughs> Um, well, I think we'll have to go B, I think. Just Option simply B? Simply because... It's going to be... Uh, yeah, I'll go with cowpox. Seems most likely. And that's absolutely right. There's a very interesting story behind cowpox and smallpox. Um, mm-hmm. They say it was the birth of inoculations and vaccinations was when um, Edward Jenner developed his cowpox vaccine. Um, I say that in quotation marks. What he actually did is he took a young eight-year-old boy, exposed him to the sores of cowpox from a milkmaid and then threw him in a smallpox population and saw if the boy got sick. Oh, it, it gets didn't. better. I mean, you know who, which boy he, he chose. Wasn't it his servant's son? Yes. Terrible. Yes. It's the That's beginning excellent. of evidence-based medicine right there. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. And maybe one more question before we play a song. Okay. Um, this one's pretty easy. Right. How many stomachs does a cow have? More than one. 
I don't know the exact answer. Is it something? Would it be ooh, seven? Oh, so more than one and seven. Do we want to average that, maybe? <laughs> Do you want to average that down? Three and, to and a half, <laughs> four. Perfect. There you go. Four stomachs. Is that right? Four well, stomachs. What do they all do? Well, they're ruminants, so uh, they have to break down cellulose, which is the, the plant protein. We, we can break down starch pretty easily, but cellulose takes a lot more, you know, mixing and grinding. And so they kind of use those four stomachs to regurgitate as the day goes on. And that's why they barf a lot. Uh, not they um, burp a lot. They burp a lot. And mm. uh, our appendix is some evolutionary, you know, hangers, hanger on from uh, us having more than one stomach. Is that is that correct? Or something along those lines? It's definitely supposed to be an evolutionary hanger-on, but I don't know if it's to do with another stomach. Do you know anything about this, Victoria? Mm, I could tell you where it is. It's uh, <laughs> at the ileocecal junction, um, to which is seeds. after the stomach, okay. <laughs> quite significantly after. I don't know. But I, Well, I don't have one, so... Maybe I'm our sorry. listeners can write in with the answer. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not up Good to date. People, people might have an answer for it, but uh, the things that I've heard, it's some sort of byproduct of a previous generation of humans or going back to whatever in which we could process things like high in cellulose and seeds and that sort of thing. But I, I, had, I have no idea if that's for sure at all. Well, that wasn't rocket science, but this song is called Rocket Science. <laughs> Funky Jazz Trumpet was Rocket Science by Alex Graham. So it's kind of sciencey, at least in its name. Victoria, what's next in our trivia quiz? Well, I hope you're ready for round two. Had a little bit of time to relax with the jazz, because here we go again. All right, what are the two only mammals in the world that lay eggs? 
Well, as Australians, we know this. <laughs> yes. And, and we know that you now know this. But they are platypuses. And, and echidnas. And echidnas. And what are they called? Victoria? What are they called? Oh, that was going to be my bonus high distinction <laughs> question, actually. They're called monotrines. 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 That's right. There you go. Oh, well, that was too easy. Um, this one's maybe a little bit trickier. What is the most voluminous greenhouse gas? Greenhouse gas that we have largest quantities on this fair planet Earth. Uh, prob- probably water vapor would be my guess. Yeah, I'd say water. Beautiful. That's absolutely right. And the there biggest one that's affected by human activity is, of course... Carbon dioxide. That's right. And there we go. All right, fine. That was clearly too easy. Yeah, come on, where are your tough ones? <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, I've got a good one for Bring you. Bring it this on. One, this one's math. Mm. So sit down and sharpen your pencils. You're at a game show. And there are three doors, and the game show host tells you that there's a car hidden behind one of the doors. So they're big doors. You get they're a car <laughs> behind them. Yep. Yeah, think of them as, you know, large sliding doors. Right. You can imagine them as red, Garage doors. perhaps, mm. because they're hiding a red car. Maybe a Ferrari. Right. Um, the game show host says, you can choose any of the three doors, and you choose number one. And he says, wait, wait, wait. Before I tell you if you've won the car or not, I'm going to reveal what is behind door number three. And he swings his hand, and door number three slides open, and there's no car. What do you do? Do you stay with your choice, or do you swap doors? So he gives you the chance to swap doors. Yeah, he gives you another chance to make your choice. Well, I do know the answer to this question. And I know that Ian knows the answer to this question, too. It's the uh, Monty Hall problem. It is indeed the Monty Hall problem. Do you know why it's called the Monty Hall problem? Because of the Monty Hall show. Ah, right. Which was? Which was with three doors where there was a car behind <laughs> one of the doors. <laughs> ah, right. So and you wouldn't just... The, the, the opportunity wasn't just to win a car. Behind the other door was a booby prize that would humiliate you. Oh, dear. Oh, right. So it was really important that you made the right choice. So what, what is it, the right choice? Well, let, let, let's, well let's work this through. At the, <laughs> at the start, you've got one third of getting it right. That's right. But then they open one of the doors... And it's not there. So do the other two doors... Now you've only got two choices left. Intuitively, you would think it's a 50-50 chance. That's right. But what's the actual solution? Well, there's, there's two things. One is that it's still one in three. Things haven't changed. There's still three doors. You just happen to know what's behind one of them. But because you know there's a bit of psychology in play as well. So on a probability sort of thing, you've still got your one in three, but you know it's not the third one. So it's now like two-thirds of a chance that it's behind one of the doors and one-third behind the other door. You also know that Monty Hall, the bastard who's playing the game with you, wants maximum entertainment value. Yes. So what plays better for him? You switching or you're not switching? You notice he didn't immediately lift up the one that's got your car and he didn't lift up the other one. He chose one that definitely doesn't have a car. Yes, he knew. (laughs) He knew. Is this good scientific deduction? (laughs) That's what we're doing. We're working this through. (laughs) So we're working this through. So should you change or should you stay? Now, if you stay, then is there as much drama as if you switch? No. But if you stay, then you might get the car if he knew the car was there, right? And he doesn't want you to get the car. Right. Because that costs the company money. But you get a chance to choose your mind, to change your mind. You get to change your mind, right? This is your choice. Will you change your mind and switch to the, the other one? Or do you stay with the one that he knew you, you had already picked? Okay. There's two, as I said, there's two solutions that go to the same answer that you should always change your mind. Because 
he wants you to lose, so you should change to the next one so that he doesn't automatically let you lose. Okay. If that makes sense. Think, think it I, through. I think I prefer the statistical. All right, go answer. for the statistical. Mark, <laughs> Mark, going as a statistician, what would you say is the statistics, the probabilities that change when you know what's behind one of the three doors? As I am the producer of the show, I can edit out my wrong answer in a minute. Um, <laughs> as you search on the internet. <laughs> Wikipedia has an entry for the Monty Hall problem. Yes. And if you follow through on paper, it makes sense. Or if you're a bad statistician like I am these days, you'd write some, some, some macro code or something and just run a simulation. Well, there are simulations online. If you look up the Monty Hall problem, there are actual ga- they'll let you play. I like this. You can play and the car can be moved behind different doors and you can get a chance to see what happens when the car's behind door one and then you play through when it's behind door two and you play through and you can try anything you like and you're always more likely to win if you change your mind. Yes. So the moral of the story is if you are ever given this opportunity in a game show, change your mind at the second round. Well, there you go. Did we pass that? I think you did. I think that was a brilliant explanation. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Now I have another chemistry question. Mm. Back to the elements. The element polonium was so named. Was it because it was a polar element or it is a polar element? Is it because it was discovered in Poland? Or is it because it was discovered by a Polish scientist? I don't know the answer. I don't think it's the first. I don't think it's because it was discovered in a polar region. No, no, it's, it's a polar element. Oh, oh, because it has poles. Well, that would be something, a molecule you would refer to as polar. I don't think you'd refer to a, uh, an element as polar. So it's not behind door A. So it's not behind door A. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now we need to choose another door. So let's choose another door. Uh, I honestly don't know the answer to this, but... Um, I'd say it's a Polish scientist wanted to honour his country. Well, t- turns out you're wrong, Ian. Oh, it's no. a Polish scientist that wanted to honour her country. Ah. It was discovered ah, by Marie Curie. Oh, right. Who is, everybody thinks she's French. She was just married to a Frenchman, Pod Curie. And uh, she actually came from Poland and wanted to honour her country by naming an element. She also discovered another element. Do we know what that is? Radium. That's it. So the first element was radium and the second one was... Polonium. Can you go. say her name again? Marie Curie. Only a Canadian <laughs> with an appropriate training in the French language could say that quite so well. All right. And we're on our last question of this edition of Ooh. Diffusion Trivia. Goodness. I know. It passed so quickly. Well, let's see. Electricity. True mm. or false? The electrons move in the direction of the current. It is false. It is false. It is false. Did you get that right, listeners? Email and let us know what you think of the trivia edition. That's right, diffusion at 2scr.com. I think that's I think that's just a convention. I don't think that's for any particular reason. I don't, I don't oh, no, know. Oh, oh it, is, it is because basically when they invented the convention, they didn't know what the, physic, the physical reality was, so they just arbitrarily labelled it, and they happened to arbitrarily get it wrong. So it's in the, exactly the opposite direction. There's, there's an XKCD comic. And if listeners, you haven't gone to xkcd.com, I recommend the webcomic where somebody has a you know, time machine and he's going back to, he's told he's, you know, go back to, to kill Hitler. And instead he goes back and says, now, look, you've got the conventions wrong. The current goes that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a perfect, uh, a bit of a nerd comic, that one, but I do subscribe myself. Do we have any? Uh, we have an electricity song. I we think. have an electricity song. Yeah. 
electricity. AC. Electricity. DC. A wonderful kind of energy. That's electricity. CC. It's the kind of energy you can change so easily. You can change it into heat in the heater, change it into light in a lamp, change it into motion in a motor, change it into sound in a phone. Electricity. AC. Electricity. DC. A wonderful kind of energy. That's electricity. CC. It's the kind of energy we produce so easily. You can make it with a steam or water turbine. Make it when the generator turns. Make it with a simple storage battery. Make it with a photoelectric cell. Electricity. E electricity. A wonderful kind of energy, that's electricity. How would modern living be without electricity? It would be terribly inconvenient, to say the least. Can you imagine what living would be without electric lights, bells and clocks, heaters and refrigerators? Vacuum cleaners, washers, dryers, freezers, fans, and elevators, radios, and TV sets, hi-fi phonographs, motion pictures, x-rays, and the telephone and telegraph, electric motors, and machines for home and farm and industry. Our modern world is resting on electricity. It's essential in today's transportation, vital if you want light and heat. Necessary in communication, indispensable mechanically. Electricity. AC. Electricity. DC. A wonderful kind of energy. That's electricity. All right, and to finish off the show, we've got a couple of bogus science headlines and one correct one. Out of these that we're going to read to you, can you guess which is the real science headline? Victoria. Women having unprotected sex have show stronger indicators of good mental health. Pluto is officially a planet once again. Two members of the Diffusion Science radio show will be starring in Australian Beauty and the Geek as geeks, and one as a beauty. Which of these was true? Drum roll. And the answer is women having unprotected sex show stronger indicators of good mental health. There you go. How does this work? Oh, look, I have a lot of issues with um, 
with this particular study. Ian and I had a bit of a jab (laughs) (laughs) behind the scenes. I don't think it was a particularly well-designed study because I don't think they compared um, the emotional well-being in each relationship. And I think that women who have unprotected sex are probably more likely to be in a stable relationship that helps towards their mental health, such as marriage. I think this is... Well, I haven't seen this particular study. I've seen an earlier study that basically was exactly the same results. They were looking particularly at indicators of depression. And they were looking at women in relationships. I agree, you've got to be very, very careful of any outside influences of bias if you're going to say that, well, in this case, they're saying that semen has psychoactive properties. And they've managed to isolate the psychoactive properties in some studies that I've seen. And they they do seem to show that these particular hormones and neurotransmitters do go through the cervix into the bloodstream very quickly. So I rate it as plausible, but I agree they've got to be very careful how they do the study because there are so many other factors that could affect a woman's happiness. Especially when it comes to mental health, yeah. Mm. So uh, to use an academic cop-out, I think further research is required. Much research is required. Much research is and we'll be happy to participate. Ian, Pluto. We've been through the planetoid we have sort of planetoid. segment. And apparently, once again, people are going, oh, it's just not good enough. Look, it's round, it's this big, therefore it must be a planet. So it's not officially a planet. That's not quite true. But they're talking about it. But if they do make it a planet, then everything, at least as big as Pluto, like the moon, will be a planet. Right. So there'll be lots and lots and lots of planets, and people aren't happy with that either. But wow. there, re- there is renewed discussion about this, is there? There is renewed discussion. There is a group of people that want it to be a planet. So we could be headed towards interplanetary collision. <laughs> and there is no truth to the rumour that Diffusion Science Radio stars will be on Australian Beauty and the Geek as geeks because we'll all be on there as beauties. And unfortunately, that is all we have time for in this week's edition of the Diffusion Science Radio Show. We've come to you from the glorious studios in Sydney of 2SCR, 107.3, across Australia on the Community Radio Network and across the podcast across the world at diffusionradio.com. If you'd like to leave any comments or contact us, check out the website diffusionradio.com or send us an email at diffusion at 2scr.com. My name is Mark West and joining me today were Victoria Bond and Ian Wolfe. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you next week on the Diffusion Science Radio Show.